the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, we're going to go to the phones here in just a second, but I first want to tell you about our friends at the Freedom Foundation. The Freedom Foundation created optouttoday.com. When you go there, you will see how simple and seamless it is to opt out of your union. Why does that matter? Given Biden inflation and Bidenomics, it's going to save you about $1,000 a year, which might cover the increase in your grocery bill, maybe. Uh, better yet, it's going to keep that money away from union bosses who we know monolithically support progressives, people like Joe Biden, come all the way to D.C. to cackle Harris and the radicals in our schools that are trying to confuse our kids on gender ideology. So thank you to the Freedom Foundation for creating optouttoday.com. And thank you, Freedom Foundation, for supporting the Ohio Press Network. Okay, we're going to bring in Mike Davila. Mike Davila is a Republican. Uh, He is uh, an all-around good guy, naval officer, former State House representative, and he is running for the State House again in Ohio's 17th District against uh, another Republican in the primary, Gordon Short, who is a city councilman in Strongsville. Mike Tavilla, welcome to the Bruce Woolley Show. How are you today, sir? Thanks, Jack. It's great to be with you. I'm doing well. Awesome. Well, let's let's start here. I'm going to throw you a curveball. Um, you surprised Ron DeSantis dropped out yesterday? Uh, you know, I think to some extent it was expected. We were hearing things a little while ago. But, you know, any time with a prominent candidate like this, um, you know, I, I think it comes as a surprise, certainly to folks who were who were supportive. I really appreciate the work that he did as as governor of Florida, particularly during his first term. Uh, I, that would have been an easy an easy individual to support for the nomination. But uh, just as happy with President Trump, it looks like uh, he, he's lining up the support he needs here as we go forward to get the job done. And do you think Trump can win in twenty four? Given the cabal that aligned against him in twenty twenty, that I think will align against him again in twenty four. I do, I do. I think. Uh, the, the situation that has been caused by this administration is so grievous and so severe that um, there's just really no no choice for anybody uh, rational in terms of the direction that the country needs to go. We cannot continue on the same track for the next four years. It's Marxism. It is unbridled Marxism where we're marching. Let me ask you this. Why are you running for the state house? You have accolades. You have experience with George Bush. You have experience with Donald Trump. Uh, working uh, with both of their administrations. Uh, why are you running for the House seat in the 17th District? Well, I think we've touched on it already, Jack. It's, it's out of a, a sense of deep concern for where our country is going and where our state is going. And I have the experience from having served in those capacities that you noted, as well as six years in the legislature, including as the majority whip in the House with our supermajority of 65 seats during my final term, that I want to bring back. We got a great deal done during the time that I was there in terms of lowering taxes and reducing regulations, uh, fixing education to some extent back then. Things have gone on, on the wrong track, I think, in the last few years once again, um, and working on government transparency issues. Those are the things that I want to continue working on 
uh, over the next number of years. And I want to bring my talents and my experience to work in that regard. So I'm going to ask you about your priorities, your constituents' priorities, and, and what you're willing to champion on their behalf. But before we get to that, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. You're working to replace a guy who is a member of the Blue 22. And I'm still seething from what went on, and I'll tell you why. I think this General Assembly has been one of the most ineffectual in my lifetime. I also believe that they missed the opportunity to increase the threshold to amend our Constitution. And it is our Constitution through which now the radicals are changing this state, maybe forever, and maybe it's uh, unfixable, if you will. Do you have the fortitude to stand up with the caucus, not bow down to power and privilege like the guy in the seat now has done? Uh, Are you going to support the Republican caucus going forward? I absolutely will, and I think based on my record, the constituents of this district and the residents of Ohio broadly know that that's the case. Um, you know, you, you mentioned how ineffectual this General Assembly has been. I'll put a finer point on it. It's, it's actually the least effective General Assembly in terms of laws passed since the Eisenhower administration. And you stack that up against the first six months of my first term in the House back in 2011, when we passed 81 bills, that was the most effective legislative session in a generation. And it also included balancing our budget, which Governor Strickland and the Democrats left us with 89 cents in the rainy day fund at that point, an $8 billion deficit, which was 17% of the state budget at that time. We can talk about that a bit more as well and how how crazy it is that that's grown over the years. But we did all of that while reducing the personal income tax and eliminating the death tax in Ohio, uh, reducing regulations and putting the state back on the right track for economic growth by our private sector. I always point out that government doesn't create jobs, but it can be an impediment or it can be a help in terms of advancing uh, job creation and economic development in the private sector. We did all of those things. Now, with respect to the incumbent, he was my predecessor and he's been my successor in this seat. And unfortunately, uh, over the last 20 years, this is not just a recent vote by by Tom Patton. It's the most recent and perhaps the most egregious to leave the caucus uh, out in the cold. Uh, but this is a, a, a record of, um, of voting outside of uh, sort of the general conservative approach to doing things in the state that has been a, a, an earmark of his time in office. And regrettably, the fellow who I'm running against is endorsed by him. He's endorsed by Matt Dolan. He's endorsed by a truckload of, of uh former Democrat mayors here in the district to now pretend they're Republicans. So the establishment has really lined up behind this guy, and the financing will be there as well. So I'm doing what I always do, Jack, which is putting together, we used to call ourselves the Billas Gorillas when I first started running, because I run as an outsider every time that I run. And on average, we go knock on about 20,000 doors during a cycle, and we just put together a grassroots campaign for voters in our area to say, that's the guy we want to support. He's going to go look out for our interests in Columbus, not the lobbyists, not the establishment. Speaking of our interests, your constituents, what do you sense is their top priority? And you win this race. What are you going to champion at the Ohio State House on their behalf? Well, I can tell you from what we're hearing at Doors, which is the most effective way that I always learn what's on the minds of residents. And the number one concern continues, not surprisingly, to be the economy and Biden inflation and the direction that the administration in Washington is taking us. Obviously, we can't fix all of that from Columbus, but I'm a big believer in our federalism system that we have in this country. And so 
state legislatures have a significant role to play, along with the Congress and president in Washington, in either putting the country in a, in a positive direction or the opposite. So hopefully we won't have headwinds over the next several years if we get President Trump reelected and have the right direction once again in D.C. But if not, it will be incumbent upon us in Ohio to continue doing the things that we were working on before. So lowering taxes, reducing burdensome, unnecessary bureaucracy and regulations in state government, and frankly, trying to get to a situation where the residents of this state can believe once again that that government is not out to get them, but is out to be supportive. And it's one of the big reasons that I've worked on accountability and transparency issues uh, all during my career, frankly, in both administrations that you noted, on Capitol Hill for Senator Voinovich, and certainly during my time in the legislature. If people feel like government isn't working for them or is working against them, their trust in that institution will be in the tank, and that doesn't help any of us. I think trust in the federal government is probably at an all-time low, and I think in Ohio, even with a Republican governor, I'm not going to put you on the spot to say this, but I'll say this, who looks more like a Democrat than a Republican. I think on the right side of the aisle, uh, belief in the government doing good things for us is uh, at an all-time low as well. Hey, Mike, where can people go to learn more about you and maybe support your campaign if they're so inclined? Well, thanks for that offer. So my website is MikeDevilla.com, M-I-K-E-D-O-V-I-L-L-A. And there's information out there. We're also out on all the social media channels that you might expect. And um, we share quite a bit uh, week to week on what's going on with the campaign and what our plans are going forward. He is Mike Devilla. He's a Republican and he's a candidate for State House in Ohio's 17th, uh, 17th House District. And uh, Mike, thanks for spending time with us today. I know we'll have you back. I appreciate you. Outstanding. Thanks so much, Jack. Take care. You as well. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, man, oh, man, we're almost at the end of another show. Uh, but stay here. Uh, more turkey to talk on the other side of the break. 98.9 FM, The Answer. rounding third and headed home final segment monday edition january 22nd of the bruce willie show on 98.9 fm the answer i'm jack windsor editor-in-chief of the ohio press network you can read our stuff at theohiopressnetwork.com up shortly there from deanne waldman of real clear health will be why are face masks back well health centers in San Francisco, Chicago, Philadelphia have reinstated requirements to wear face masks. Now, you'd naturally assume that health centers would implement these policies because they reflect the best, most up-to-date scientific medical knowledge available in order to provide optimal care for patients. Wearing a face mask was a central element in Washington's response to covid The Biden administration publicly shamed, castigated, even canceled Americans who opposed mandates for masking or who opposed the experimental gene therapy, mRNA, self-styled vaccines. Repeatedly, Washington spokespersons, Anthony Fauci, remember him? Remember Deborah Burks? Rachel Walensky claimed they follow the science without acknowledging that true science involves open, honest, 
competition between what differing ideas and data until truth is established by weight of evidence, not by proclamation based on someone's authority or title. Suppression of writings or voices opposed to Washington's medical mandates was and is the very antithesis to science. But remember, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he is the science. Then NIH director Francis Collins demanded a quick and devastating published takedown of the Great Barrington Declaration. Do you remember the Great Barrington Declaration? I do. It was an approach to COVID different from the official politically acceptable Fauci, the Fauci response plan. Without accurate information, Americans cannot evaluate the truth about face masks and the appropriateness of reinstating mandatory usage. Now, there are some scientifically proven facts about masking with extensive evidence, not just circumstantial stuff, but extensive evidence. Wearing a face mask is supposed to protect the wearer and to decrease the spread of SARS-CoV-2. Unfortunately, a wealth of data starting with a randomized controlled study in Denmark, followed by, eh, I don't know, maybe 150 more subsequent reports, concludes that surgical and cloth masks have no impact on controlling the transmission of COVID-19. This information has been available for well over a year. An uncontrolled study of face mask cleanliness by parents of 11 school-aged children is really kind of horrifying. Uh, the face masks of the children were evaluated at parents' expense in a University of Florida Gainesville biolab. I remember reading this report. They found a number of bacteria living in the mask, masks rather, there were 11 of them, and uh, breathed in by the children, such as microbacterium tuberculosis, which causes tuberculosis, Neisseria meningitis, meningitis, and Borrelia burgdorferi, also known as Lyme disease. All more dangerous to children, by the way, than COVID. Why has there never been an NIH study to assess the possible infectious dangers of wearing a face mask? I'll tell you why, because it was never about controlling the spread. It was about controlling you. Masks cause psychological harm. The majority of efficacy of a mask is that it causes alarm. That's how effective it is. It's, it's effective at causing a, alarm for a feared contagion in another person. And in children, the alarm can manifest as free-floating anxiety that forces emotional withdrawal. Do you remember teenage suicide rose dramatically during COVID lockdowns, social distancing, and universal face masking? Masks impair communication, particularly facial expressions, which can be more effective communication than spoken words. Masks are particularly damaging to learning as masks negatively impact children's ability to recognize faces and emotions of both teachers and fellow students. With overwhelming evidence that face masks don't protect and can be harmful, why are they back? 
Persons with power, particularly left-leaning, deal with the facts about masking in one of two ways, willful ignorance or intentional rejection and opposition. Willful ignorance is a form of skodama, skodama. We see what we want to or expect to see rather than what's really there. Those who are voluntarily blind to facts simply do not see or accept the truth. These, quote, facts, this so-called evidence cannot be true because, well, Washington said it wasn't true. It's misinformation. So they must be false facts. There's no such thing as a false fact. A fact reflects reality, a bit of truth. By definition, a false fact is that which is unreal, doesn't exist, not true, an error or a lie. The true leftist ideologue is an authoritarian who knows that advancing his or her beliefs is more important than being truthful. I've told you, the ends ultimately justify the means. They don't tell the truth. They don't give you facts. They'll do whatever it takes to get to the end that they want. Yes, masks don't work, but they are a great virtue signal, showing who is a true believer and who has no virtue. Masks are the inverse of the Nazi-era yellow star that Jews had to wear to identify them as bad guys. Today's face mask shows one is a good guy. An unhesitating follower of wisdom. The conscious rejecter of mask truth could be employing the Democrats' double-down strategy. When something fails to achieve the desired outcome, do it again, bigger, better, louder, with new fabricated data. Albert Einstein might call this insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, but expecting different results. To those with open minds who have learned the facts about masking, wearing a face mask is a sign of stupidity, unwillingness to think for oneself, possible radicalism, and a most un-American bowing down before ideological Tyrants. He will. How do you really feel, Jack? That's how I feel. That's how I feel. But I still see people riding alone in cars wearing face masks. I always say in lieu of Joe Biden bumper stickers, right? They run out of bumper stickers. Just wear your mask. We know who you're supporting. A big thank you to Trisha McLaughlin of Avake 24. Uh, Milena Siebert, candidate for the 12th District Court of Appeals, and Mike Davila, Republican primary candidate for the Ohio House's 17th District. Tomorrow, I'll be back at 11 o'clock, so set an alarm. Tell your friends. Talk to you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. 